Hi there, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And this is the Infinity Cast, where we spill the tea on Marvel and pop culture. This week we're discussing Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, so let's get into it with the recap. When martial artist Shang-Chi is attacked by assassins in San Francisco, he is drawn back into the world of his father and the organization known as the Ten Rings. There he must confront his past and come to terms with the legacy of his family. Really? That's it? That's all you have to say about this movie? Yep, that's it. Wow. Okay. Uh, so did you did you like the movie? <laughs> yeah, yes, Joseph, I liked the movie. Did you like the movie, Joseph? I, I love this movie. This movie was fucking awesome. This movie like reminded me of why we all love like martial arts films in general. Um, the way that they just choreographed the whole the whole the whole film was just absolutely gorgeous. From the from the flirtatious like dancing fighting between um, fucking his father and his mother in the beginning flashback, uh, it was just absolutely beautiful to like just the freaking train which shout out to luma luma pictures they did a freaking badass job in working on that scene you mean the bus the bus fight Uh, that that whole that whole bus fight was just fucking amazing like that's my i think my favorite sequence in the entire film um fighting wise it just it was fun as hell comedy and action-packed all of it yeah it was fantastic when that beat drops at the beginning of that scene it's just on yeah, it just it just it doesn't stop. It like just keeps going, and some of that stuff just looked looked like it was like had no coverage. It was just like almost one shot. They really were going for um, those those one shot one take vibes on it. it really did a good job. Um, and Aquafina was fucking hilarious. I love that they were just friends and not like a romantic thing. Like they really just like no, we're having two like best friends in this scenario, and like ah, uh, it was just their relationship was perfect. Yeah, I wouldn't change a thing about that. I enjoy that Aquafina didn't get shoehorned into like the love interest role. Yeah, no, she she remained like just the she remained Aquafina. She remained like the best friend, comedy, but still heartfelt in that entire experience. She was she grounded the audience and allowed us to go through this magical journey. So I loved it, loved it. Fucking Iron Man three <laughs> reference with freaking Trevor Slattery hanging around and, and being a part of the movie. That was the biggest surprise for me. I was not expecting that at all. I knew he was going to be in it, but I had no idea that they would literally be taking him along with them for like the last half of the movie. Yeah. He basically became one of the group and I didn't even know he was going to be in it. Like I had zero under, like knowledge of that ahead of time, which I'm so happy for. Cause like I knew when they, I knew they were going to talk about it because they have to, um, with the whole Mandarin and shit like that. But then he goes on his little, uh, you know, rant about it and tells us the whole story from his perspective. And it's it's like, okay, that's all you're going to need. And then all of a sudden, Trevor's right there. He's in the fucking prison with them. And he goes on for the journey. He's a fucking hippie, but he's a good guy. He's redeemed himself hanging out with that strange Chinese spirit. Morris? Which is a real thing. They're real. I mean, you know, as far as spirits go in the Chinese lore, but they're real. I forget their name. Yeah, he's a Dijon. Not even gonna try to, to do. Yeah, no. My my Anglo-Saxon. I'm a crappy Colombian tongue who can't even roll his R's. So I'm just gonna stick to saying things like his father because I'm not even gonna try. When I first saw this movie, I was legitimately worried because I had rented a theater, and one of the options for the movie was you could watch the entire movie in Mandarin, and like the first, you know. 
five minutes of this movie are in Mandarin anyway. And I was so concerned that I had accidentally picked the Mandarin showing. How racist of you. Just watch the damn movie, whatever language it's in. But yeah, I can understand that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I wouldn't have watched the entire movie dubbed in Mandarin. I would have been down because there's so much of it's in Mandarin anyway. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> really a lot of it is. But I love that about it too. Like it's just, that's that's one of the things that made it feel more more real and more uh, almost fantastical, even though that, that was kind of like the anti-point. It was meant to ground it in the actual like culture. But like, I think created even more of a fantastical whimsical vibe to the film just just it just seemed magical such a beautiful language and especially the way they filmed it all there's okay so there's this line in the movie uh it's when when Wu makes it to Taolo and is like fuck, fuck this place i'm gonna burn it down or whatever but like that that old guy's like get the fuck out of here and he says this line and in english they translated it as i've lived ten thousand or i've lived 10 of your lifetimes young man but the actual line in Mandarin is way more interesting. They just chose to translate it that way. Uh, but it's like a Chinese saying. It's, I've eaten more salt than you have rice. Nice. Kind of a kind of a sh- very looking down on you with, with very little respect there. That That is talking down to somebody. I've, I've had the privilege of, of having more refined, more amazing, flavorful things in my mouth than you've ever had in yours. You only have had rice, you peasant. Well, it's also like it implies that like because he's so much older, like he's eaten salt, which you eat in less quantities than rice. That's true, too. But I think it also yeah, it, there's that old Romanian story about the daughters and the salt that I always think of that comes from a lot of uh, flavorful royal elements to it. So that's it. Like people have salts as opposed to sugar. Like I think in whatever ways works. Still talking down to somebody. Going back to uh, Ben Kingsley's character for one second, though, that Planet of the Apes conversation was the probably one of the funniest things in this fucking movie. Yeah, but it just made him so endearing. Like, at the end of the day, like, the fact that he let himself be so, like, magically transported, that's the cinematic experience we all hope for when we're, when we're kids. <laughs> just to be really, like brought to a completely different place to the point where like you're, you're you're literally sitting there respecting the acting ability of of the of the apes riding the horses good for you man good for you that's endearing and adorable and about what we'd expect for trevor slattery's broken brain yeah that's fair do you do we think that he just remained in Tao Lo? yeah i i think he just the equivalent of a village idiot but probably like a, way more zen now like if anyone's going to evolve onto like the higher spirit plane, it's going to be him through no intention of his own. He's going to accidentally fall up the evolutionary ladder. Yeah. The inclusion of something like Tao Lo, like a, like a basically an ancient Chinese village, but like in a different realm. Is, I, I really enjoyed that. Well, it, it helps us get the, um, get iron fist out of our heads even more so it's definitely washed the taste of iron fist out of my mouth yeah yeah that's uh so it's like okay we have another magical world that could replace the crappy one we just don't like talking about because it was just done so horribly that just so disappointing it also kind of gives us a an avenue to bring those things back in eventually 
Yeah, and we could just do it from a different perspective, a better perspective, without anyone involved with that show. We actually got to see dragons this time instead of just hearing about them. Yeah, well, we just saw their bones before, right? Like, that was the whole show. It was like, underneath something of New York, something in New York is brewing. It's a whole bunch of dragon bones. That's it. That's that's the whole show, everybody. And we're going to totally make sure Defenders is dependent on this stupid mythology. There are dragon bones under New York and nobody talks about it. Uh, Calling back to our first episode of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Iron Fist was horrible. This was not horrible. This this was this is like probably what they wanted us to feel with, with Iron Fist, but they just did did it horribly. So eh. But this is this was beautiful. Are you familiar with the term wuxia? No, I don't believe so. It's a genre of Chinese fiction uh, about martial arts in ancient China. And this is essentially like a Marvel wuxia film. Like it's like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is like the best example I can think of off the top of my head. And it had it had so much of that like in the DNA of this movie, especially like the fights between um, Wen Wu and Ying Li, Shang-Chi's mom. Mm hmm. Very Crouching Tiger, very Hidden Dragon. Also, Michelle Yeoh's here. Yes, Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> you couldn't, I mean, like, you, it's a, it's almost too much on the nose, but it's just so perfect. It's fine, you know? Because it, it's, you literally got Michelle Yeoh for this, too. All the acting, all the performances were just so beautifully done. Like, uh, what's 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 the actor who played um, Wenwu? Oh, Tony Leung. Tony Leung. Tony Leung was perfection. Watching him perform this, from the sadness, the anger, the, the, the pure hubris and arrogance, all of it, many shades of him was just so fun to watch. Just such respect. I sat there in awe and enjoyed it. Yeah, he's one of the better villains that we've gotten in this universe. Yeah, well, I, I feel like they've uh, Marvel has been learning their lesson when it comes to villains. We're not getting the same basic bitch like anger shit that's just two-dimensional anymore long are the days since uh sadly malekath who deserves so much more especially after reading the jason aaron line nope this time we got writers who actually give a shit and when Wu was fucking awesome yeah no he was amazing i rewatched this movie today with my friend raymond who is chinese and like i think he really appreciated like that that like parent being tough on you kind of dynamic yeah, I think all of my Chinese friends, I think, told me have told me similar stories from that. And like watching that just recalled me listening to them talk about their childhood. And that's what it was. You need to succeed. You need to be a success. You need to be a success in a traditional way. Don't find your own path. We want you to be happy on this very what's a culturally acceptable because we're immigrants and that's what it comes down to. And I, I understand it. I it, it must have sucked to be that way as a kid. Such a, so hard. It's very hard on them, you know, but that is that is definitely the culture. I love that Shang-Chi moved to America and just changed his name to Sean. Yeah, it's like, yeah, changing it. Like you're Jason. So you changed your name to you know, J-A-C-I-N. It's like, oh, great. Really? Really? That you thought that's how that was going to work? And no one was going to find you. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. No wonder your dad knew where you were. Exactly. It's like me changing my name to Jose. Like, really? Really? That, that, you didn't think anyone would pick up on that? All right, all right. Obviously not meant for witness protection jobs. So what do you think the Ten Rings actually are? Wow, okay. I mean, I, I, 
no matter what I guess, it's gonna be wrong because like this is this was obviously intended as like we're gonna tell you maybe three, four movies from now. Maybe, maybe, we'll see. We have Captain Marvel in it, so maybe she's involved. Maybe, maybe Banner, now that he's all human, maybe that's he's gonna be involved with it. Or maybe none of the above. Which also, Bruce being all human again. What? Yeah, exactly. So that that whole thing was just made us to go like, hmm. In general, that whole like mid credit scene just made us go, hmm. It is one of the more interesting mid credit scenes in a long while. Because it's like, one, we're going to tease the fact that nobody knows what these are. Like nobody. So we're going to take the two people who would have the most knowledgeable experience. Three, because Wong. Wong, who knows all the mystical arts. So nothing from the, from the mystic arts. Nobody in the mystic arts knows what this shit is. Bruce Banner gamma radiation science he can't explain them either he has no fucking clue and captain marvel who's been everywhere in the fucking known universe she's still no fucking clue so like my first instinct initially was like oh maybe it's the tal shiar or celestial based or something like that but i feel like captain marvel should have known that stuff already and would have been able to identify it and definitely mystic arts would have some knowledge of celestial energy and bruce banner smart enough to be able to pick up some of that shit anyway so it it, no matter what i guess it's going to be wrong because they're going to do something their own thing with it whether it's going to be in another 10 rings film or it's going to be a part of another story going elsewhere who fucking knows i'm not even going to pretend to try so maybe it's something to do with galactus like maybe it's fucking mephisto it it's not it's probably not mephisto you don't know could be mephisto could be mephisto i guess I really like that they changed the rings to not be finger rings and to be more like the the bracelets you see in martial arts. Yeah, this this reminded me of uh, that Kung Fu practice. I don't remember from Kung Fu Hustle where that guy had the rings around his arm. It's, it's just like ring fists. Or there was a very specific name of it. I don't recall. But it's it's those things. And it, I love that, that that's what they ended up being and not just glamorous like jazz hands rings. Like, look at all the flashy rings. No, no, no. No, let's 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 go a different direction with this. Good choice, Marvel. Good choice. Let's make them not like the Infinity Stones. Yeah, it's not even like the, then it's not just they're not. I mean, you see the original like comic book art for them. Like one of them has like a big star on it. It's like they look like Gem and the Holograms rings. Like no, would have been. It's great in the early '80s, but not anymore. <laughs> so I'm so happy they updated it. Who's your favorite cameo in this movie? Cameo? Ah, damn. Um. It probably would be Wong. I mean, seeing Wong do the karaoke thing was just made me very happy. Um, the Abomination didn't have enough stuff in it to really like get me and my blood going. I was hoping to be a little bit more, but it did show us that there's something going on there. So yeah, they seem to have a pre-existing relationship. Yeah, there's a there's a grift happening. Also, when he took him back at the end, like if you look through that portal, it looked like there was like a containment unit, kind of like we saw in the first Avengers movie for the Hulk. Yeah, it's a question is whether it's like the raft or whether it's somewhere else. Yeah, interesting, especially since we know that uh, Tim Roth is coming back for She-Hulk. Yep. So it's it, whatever it is, it's going to be probably revealed there, and that's the thing. That's what Disney's do- oh, not necessarily Disney. That's what Marvel's doing with all this. It's they're just giving us a little bit here. This is going to go there. That's going to go there. All the all the lines of bifurcations and multiversal timelines that need to be like written now on the walls of Marvel Studios. You can only imagine what Kevin Feige's ceiling looks like. Is Wong the new Coulson, though? Yeah, seems to be. 
He's like the Colson of the Mystic Arts. Chill for the most part, handling people like who who need to be dealt with in a chill, calm, slightly out of uh, out of the norms and traditionary protocols way. Yeah, I I do really appreciate that he went and did karaoke with Shang-Chi and Katie at the end of the movie. Same here. That was hilarious. Loved it. I'm so glad it was Hotel California (laughs) because I love that that's how Katie disarms people. That was fucking hilarious. (laughs) Especially when she tried to actually do it like against like actual assassins. It worked for a second. I mean, what would you do? You're sitting there about to stab somebody and all of a sudden they start singing at you. I, I mean, I guess that would be pretty alarming at the end of the day. And of all the fucking songs, Hotel California. The other cameo that I really enjoyed was Clev, the guy on the bus. Because he was also in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yeah. He was um, he was the guy next to the guy from Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. In um, Spider-Man Homecoming, the guy who was standing next to was holding a, a big boom box. And that's the same guy who was on the bus in Star Trek, the, Mo- the Voyage Home, that was the punk that was listening to the song that Spock had that Vulcan neck pinch to get the music to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I remember I remember that scene. Yeah, so that scene, it's the same guy sitting next to that guy on that bus who was on the street corner with Peter Parker. And th- the director said, like, listen, it's the same guy. Just FYI, Star Trek Forest canon now. <laughs> it's the same guy, still in New York. Just years later. Like, you really made that call to make that guy have a cameo just for that, huh? It's like, yes, that's why I gave him a boombox. I'm glad that they brought back Clev, though, because he was so fucking funny on the bus. Yeah, he was hysterical. The, the damn obnoxious TikTok generation. I used to do martial arts as a kid, so I'm going to rate this guy. <laughs> yep, that's what they all sound like. What'd you, what did you think about Razor Fist? I found him like, I found him like, I guess I was waiting for it that him to pay off. And I feel like he didn't other than like eventually just give in to the fact that he had to join up with the other, other crew. But like he was a two dimensional character that I felt like they could have done a little bit better with him, him and death dealer. Death dealer very much got like, got kind of the shit end of the deal. Both of them, as far as characters go. Neither of them were even actually named in the movie. Nope. They just were sitting there like being tough looking. And Death Dealer like died within a microsecond of, of the battle starting with the soul. I mean, that was like, I guess their way of saying like, no, this means business because, you know, we've had problems with him the entire movie. And then one little demon bat just comes in and like, oh, I'm going to eat your soul. Ah, okay, I eat your soul. It's like, okay, he's dead now. He's dead. He's not going to be giving anybody... What did you think of the Dweller in Darkness as the final big bad? That was, I mean, just give me a fucking dragon on dragon battle. I am quite content. Like that just, that was the showpiece of the film. That's what we're doing here. Okay. Dragon on dragon action. Love it. And you got me an emotional story to wrap the metaphor around an actual like dragon fight. Do it. Done. I I, I was quite quite entertained. It was beautiful to watch. And I think at the end of the day, that's the whole point of this. Yeah. Normally, I think the Dweller in Darkness is a Doctor Strange villain. So I thought it was interesting that they used it here in Shang-Chi. Well, I think they're they're pulling up, like, continuing to build the multiversal, dimensional worlds of everything. And they're just pulling from everything to do that. So Doctor Strange elements are getting a lot of love. 
Because Michelle Yeoh was like, we're here to protect your universe, not theirs. When you say that to somebody, like, I'm here to protect your house. You're not referring to your own house. If it's your house. I'm not here to protect our house. I'm not here to protect our home. I'm here to protect your home. Jackass. I'm protecting your reality, douchebag, I believe was the line from Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Just Taolo is interesting as a as a location because it's like space China. Space China. Yes, this is this is the weird culture out of culture. Um the alien the alien China's Chinese world in the bubble universe kind of thing because it had all the mythological creatures. Like that 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 was the whole point. Yeah, I was I was a big I was a big fan of finding those nine tails. Yeah. I, those are fucking beautiful. I want a statue of that. Give me a sideshow exclusive, please. I mean, every legend. It's, and I just find that always so just in general so fascinating. So you have the Chinese version, then you have the the Japanese version, and then you have the Native American version. You know, and I'm pretty sure like there's probably like Southeast Asian versions of that mythology too. Like it all, it all still evolves. I just love the whole cultural elemental exchange of how mythology evolves over millennia. It's wonderful. The one thing that I had a lot of questions about in the back of my brain was that water dragon map thing that they use the pendants for. Like, how does, what, like, why does Wenwu have that in his home? How did he, how did he know that the pendants were the eyes and it would generate a magic map? That, that was not explained at all in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to let it go just because, like, we, the audience, could figure it out because we understand tropes. But the way my headcanon's working is, like, she made it so if she ever... If if he ever needed to find her world without her, then that's how you do it. And the children would always have a way home. And I feel like it was made more for the children than for him. Oh, it definitely wasn't made for him. Yeah. So the children would have to work together to understand it. And it's just like, you know, typical tests of the parents kind of thing. Yeah, I, you know, I feel bad for Wenwu that he got catfished by a giant Cthulhu monster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't feel, I, yes, I feel bad for him, but I don't feel that bad. I mean, the guy was basically like all fucked up in the head and let his, all that, I am a strong leader who, with, with mind and reason, Earning my immortality. Shut the fuck up, man. You're, you're just a troubled, angry man that you're that your wife died, and you're now you're taking it out in the entire universe, mostly your son. There was some real pathos, like in the fights between Wenwu and Shang Chi. The entire fight like had such an emotional resonance with the with the metaphor being played out, and you're getting it all wrapped in a giant dragon on dragon fight. That's just gorgeous to watch. Like, you know, all the servers that were like dedicated to making this movie like a thing. <laughs> all the animators who like did not sleep for years in order to make this this whole sequence work. And it was awesome. I mean, I, I, I love the little things like Aquafina learning to, to shoot her bow and, and Trevor like pretending to be dead and like teaching Morris how to play dead. There were all these little great moments in this sequence. The armor was great. Everyone looked beautiful. The special effects, great. It's like, it just was beautiful to watch. And at the end of the day, as long as you felt something and you appreciated that beauty, that's all you needed for a film like this. Like, it had all the elements so we could just sit back and enjoy something that beautiful. Like, it was almost theatrical. Like, the like theater-wise, the drama was all there. 
That was nice. Refreshing. I also just think that the Ten Rings, like as as like a as a weapon, is such an interesting weapon because they seem to kind of like react to like the will and instinct of whoever is like using them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely a psionic type of weapon, and that's how the user is able to 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 do. There's almost an extension of yourself and how you would fight with them, not just like. You do what I tell you. It's like you do what I feel as if I am like extending my own arm. And it really made it seem that way. Even when you're just shooting them, like to like shoot them back and come back, shoot and come back, shoot and come back. You know, like you get a sense of control and instinct involved. It was really well done. And when Shang-Chi was like using them in that final battle, like he would like, like at one point he like shot them up and then grabbed onto them and like flew like, there's such an interesting fucking weapon. Yeah, I'm really, I really want it. I want more. I want to know more. I hope that that we can get like, I mean, when can Shang-Chi 2 be a thing now? Like 2025? Is that the closest like window we have to like another one of these films? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I like that by the time that we get the next one, like it will, they'll be set in like present day again, like, in 2025 it'll be like 2025 in the movie and also 2025 in real life yeah yeah because we've been we've been pushing the head because of the blip which by the way like surprisingly few references to the blip in this movie Cup, couple a couple but i more from like the everyday perspective like the woman who was just like you know just like life could be wiped out at any moment you know like just live your life best you can be responsible blah blah, blah. get a dog um but i feel like that we don't even know whether either any of our char- main characters were, were blipped away, do we? I don't think any of them were. I feel like they should have had a couple. Like I, I think every Marvel movie, at least like made in Phase Four in the beginning, needs to all have like straight up references to what your blip status is. Like if you're new characters, we need to know where you've been for the last five years. Not in a weird like Falcon Winter Soldier bank in Louisiana kind of a way. That's that, that's obnoxious. But like in a narrative please we'd like to know what your emotional experience is during the one of the most traumatizing experiences in our cinematic movie going lifetime yeah it's just i think i've said this before but like there's no way that marvel can ever properly address the blip without doing like a blip tv show or something yeah and i know we've said it a thousand times is like what a blip television show would really be like and what they could do it'd be amazing um, if it's the way it's in my head, I, I see it as an amazing anthology series, but let them do what they're going to do. I think there's a lot of drama to be told there, but I guess not as much superhero fun. It's like, it's tragedy, sadness, but Marvel doesn't shy away from making us feel sad anyway. They, they, they love breaking our hearts and ripping us to pieces. They live for that shit. So I don't know why they don't throw this down our throat. It's the equivalent of like watching a nine 11 documentary. Netflix recommended one of those to me today. And I was like, I don't, this is completely different than the thing I was watching. Like, why are you suggesting that? I had just finished season three of Sex Education, which is a really good show if you haven't seen it. But like, then it's like, if you like that, you'll like this fucking documentary on 9-11. And I was like, wait, what? What? (laughs) Not the feels I want right now. Did you catch the extremist soldier fighting a Black Widow? Yes, I did. I fucking love that. I absolutely love that. Yes, I did catch that. And I got very excited when I saw that in the theater. I was like, good. A little references for everything. There are still extremist people going around there. 
and the Black Widows are still running around. I also really liked Ronnie Chang as John John. Yeah, I, all those side characters were awesome. That's hilarious. Like the sister. Shaoling. So happy that she's in control of, of that and she added women to the core. So now I just want her to get on board with the Black Widows. All joint forces and help monitor the world. They did go out of their way to tell us that the Ten Rings will return. I kind of wonder what form that's going to take. Yeah, and especially whether they're going to be good or bad or whether she's going to be doing her own thing. Like, is she going to be going to war with Tableau? Like, what's going on here? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think she embraces that side of her history. She she was having, a, like, a moment with uh, the Great Protector. That's true. That's true. So maybe she'll be fighting with, like, that she'll convert it to, like, be uh to be a group of guardians instead of being a group of criminals they'll be more like ravagers in guardians now perhaps you know i i, I really dug that i thought shaoling was a pretty compelling character i feel bad that shang chi like abandoned her for a decade yeah i mean i get it i get it when you're kids and you're stuck in that kind of that just goes to like the abuse you're dealt with in your family and what you're sometimes forced to do is Lots of times you're like, all right, well, I'm being abused or I'm in an abusive situation, so I have to leave. Uh, I should probably come back for my sibling. I don't. Uh, fuck. Bad things happen. Yeah. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Another example. The music score was absolutely amazing. I've listened to that quite often since it came out. And the soundtrack, my head was bopping the entire movie. Like, holy shit. The soundtrack was like badass. I loved it. Yeah, this this movie really did kind of have it all. And finally feels like we're in phase four you know like black widow to me was not was not the first film in phase four like this feels like the first wasn't the first film in phase four far from home no it was still phase three it was sort of like a phase three's aperitif yeah a little epilogue this though feels like the actual beginning of phase four and then we got eternals in like a month and a half yeah it's coming pretty soon and then after that we got you know, Hawkeye, and we've got Spider-Man No Way Home. And eventually we'll have Miss Marvel, She-Hulk. Getting Secret Invasion next year, I think, as well. God, can you imagine what, what we're going to be talking about in a year from now? The same shit, but a different property. <laughs> and we'll probably still be like, whatever you do, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. You're awesome. Don't stop. Don't stop the signal, Mal. Of course, that could all very much change any day. Like, we don't know how we're going to take on the Eternals. That that movie's making me nervous. Um, and there's a lot riding on how No Way Home does as we go into the multiverse of madness tease. Where does this movie rank for you, though? Does it crack top 10? T- top 10? You know, it probably does pop- crack the top 10. Um, top 5 would be really fucking hard. Yeah, I'm going to say it's probably in the 6 to 10 r- ratio for me rating i guess probably like it's probably like a number like somewhere between eight and six to me i have to, i'd have to really like look at all the films and put them in a proper order again because i feel like i do that every few months this is like my favorite like introduction to a character in a long fucking time well, we haven't had a proper introduction to a character in a long long time uh yeah we haven't had an introductory movie since Captain Marvel. And as as you know, I'm on the record for being lukewarm on that movie. Yeah, I know. I know. On the record. So it, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was uh, 2019. Yes, that wasn't that long ago. It wasn't actually that long ago. It feels like... Feels like it was a long, long time ago. It's because we had our own blip. Yeah, that we certainly did. But yeah, final thoughts on the movie? 
more dragon on dragon fights and more karaoke in our Marvel movies. Also, Aquafina should be in every movie. I mean, she she's looks like she was sort of recruited into the Avengers too for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did put Wong was like both of you have are, are just entering this world, and they're just like ah, okay. Especially even after dealing with dragons and insanity, they all just feel, they all look shell shocked <laughs> in, that, in that scene and just so like overwhelmed with everything they're getting themselves into. Like they were they were completely able to process the shit that happened in China, but like nope, now that they're in the bar, and and on Wong comes in and steals him and tries to explain the origin of Ten Rings, they're like, uh, karaoke. <laughs> That, that seriously, the mid credit scene had it all. It had cameos, it had a mystery tease, and it had karaoke. And it had a lot of mystery teases because, like, where's Captain Marvel going? What happened to fucking Bruce? And what the fuck are the Ten Rings made of? And where did they come from? Also, why is Aquafina here? So yeah, there's a lot of lot of big mystery teases in that like mid credit sequence. Yeah, I, you know what? I cannot wait for the sequel to this movie. Whenever the heck that's gonna come out and i hope that we see these characters again before that do we know how the finances did um i know that it just passed black widow's box office draw and it's only been out for what three weeks two weeks so that's pretty decent actually i mean it's still going to be on the lower end of marvel films just because of you know the times that we currently live in but i think this solidified for disney that they shouldn't be releasing these online at the same time because that really hurt Black Widow. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. I think Black Widow was the most pirated movie of all time. Damn. Did you pirate it? We can discuss that off. <laughs> I did, but I also paid to I paid for an entire theater to see it and then I also paid to see it again. So, I didn't steal it. You didn't steal it those times. Just those other times. I paid over $200 to see Black Widow, so I think that I could also pirate it so I could take notes easier. Fine, that's fair. That's I did fair. not do that for this movie. I literally took a notepad and and pen, and I was trying to write notes while watching the movie this morning. Oh, look at you. I think, I think uh, John Cusack has a couple of things to say about that. Um, but I, yeah, I when it came to uh, Black Widow, I paid to watch it twice in the theater, and then I paid to watch it on Disney Plus. So I did all the investment for all that. Yeah, this this movie has a guaranteed 45-day window in theaters before they put it on Disney Plus. But once it gets on Disney Plus, I may watch it again. Well, I'll probably watch it again. I'll definitely watch it again when it's free. I don't know if it's going to be free right away. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do that because that's going to be whatever their new their new model is going to have to be. Because if they want to like make extra money on the thing, that's not going to make the same amount. But once they open that up, pirating is going to be a lot easier. And but they will make extra money for those people like me who want to watch it earlier. You know, again, because you know going to the theaters it's it's its own thing um which i love doing but there's a lot of other movies i want to see too so watching it at home like in the background while i'm working is definitely something i'd like to do on a scale of one to seven dragon balls what would you give this movie my answer would be five and a half dragon balls maybe six the correct answer is seven out of seven dragon balls because that's how many that you need to summon the great protector the the face i'm giving you right now well, the reason the reason why I say that specifically is because 
I was I had an ear for what they were calling him in Mandarin, and they were calling him Shenlong, which is the name of the dragon from Dragon Ball Z. They just translated it as Great Protector in English. Yeah, I, someone tried to get me into Dragon Ball Z a long, long time ago. It did not go well. Yeah, I don't really. I, yeah, no other notes are the things that I thought of in the processes. Most of the um, thoughts I had when I was watching the movie were just all like, "This is just fucking beautiful as hell." So. I just love the fucking ride that it was on because that's what I knew this movie was going to be. It was just going to be this gorgeous algorithm. As long as they don't fuck it up, this this had the potential of just being this theatrical explosion of light and color and beauty and culture and all of it. And it was. It really was. It was. I, I you know I was a little concerned about how it would be received. Because, you know, like, to me, like, this is the kind of Asian representation that we've needed for a long time. It's it's the equivalent of the kind of representation we got in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that it was so just well done and well received with just great actors, you know, like actual Hong Kong actors like fucking Tony Leung. Just really well written smart good references just you know for me definitely a seven dragon balls out of seven dragon balls i'm glad you liked it the only reason why i didn't give a complete seven was because of um those two characters the two side mini bosses that just deserved a little bit better in their in in their character development don't worry they'll get their own disney plus shows (laughs) all right so make sure to like subscribe and please tell your friends you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at InfinityCast, spelled infinite a cast. And you can email us at infinitycast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And we'll see you guys next week.